0: We're on a mission from God. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This is Amanda, also known as Q, and I'm here with an incredible guest, somebody that I love to talk to, any chance I get. This is the Reverend Jim Keat.
1: Hello, Hi, Jim. hello. Can I call I you, I always Jim? pronounce it, yeah, yeah. Okay. I always pronounce it Podquest just to make that <laughs> Q really stand out.
0: I like that. I like that. Uh, I don't know, is that legitimate? I'm not a, like a, I'm not a language person, so can you qua without a U after the Q?
1: that is the that's the existential question of the day
0: is it well as soon as we square that away we can just kick back and enjoy ourselves No, um q actually you can switch it out for all kinds of things and so it's kind of easy for branding purposes
1: yeah yeah and star trek that's where i always think of it from of course obviously
0: okay jim you and i met i distinctly remember meeting you because we were at this amazing retreat at this mm-hmm. Buddhist sanctuary in upstate New York with a bunch of other, you know, hippy-dippy style interfaith <laughs> people. And you are just, you know, like full of good energy. Full of good energy. And so I I don't know, like we we met that one time in person and then Yeah. We met. A, we met another time when you came here for South by Southwest, but yep. mostly we've just been friends online this whole time.
1: That's that's been the start and the duration. Yeah. Aside from those two times. Yeah. More to come, I hope, once this pandemics done.
0: I've, uh, yes, please. Uh, I have watched your kind of interesting evolution as a clergy person, <laughs> and now, father, uh, mm-hmm. over these past father
1: as in. To a child not father as in clergy person. Yes. And, you know, Catholics, yes. father.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You are in fact Protestant, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I'm I'm
1: to the I am a I'm a good mutt of things, but I'm ordained in a Protestant denomination.
0: Okay, good. All right. So um yes, you just had a baby.
1: We did, yes, about five months ago.
0: Wow. He's huge How is it? and
1: amazing. It's incredible. We he's the best kid in the world, which I'm sure every parent says. Uh huh. I mean, you have kids, so you probably can't, yeah, have yeah. to think yours are better than mine, but uh-huh. he's literally the best kid in the world. Yeah, He's adorable. He's huge, like literally in the greater than 99th percentile for height. <laughs> That's what the doctor's report says, which as someone who's six foot seven, I'm just such a proud dad about that. Yeah. And he sleeps at night, which we don't say too often because other parents hate us for that because yeah. it's like, yeah, he sleeps 12 hours every night. What? Wow. So it's wow. great.
0: Yeah, he is so cute you oh. uh, I follow you know you and your wife as you post on Instagram and all your other social media and so I get to see a steady stream of baby Keat and uh, <laughs> yeah he is a roly-poly adorable baby
1: he's got thunder thighs that's for sure and he's 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 amazing awesome we love him you
0: know my kids turn 18 on Saturday wow I know
1: that's any this can we just turn this podcast around and it's parenting tips for Jim
0: yeah no you don't want my parenting tips. It's the Parenting is the hardest, it, you know, the toughest job you'll ever love thing. It's that like I yeah. constantly feel inadequate as a parent. It's really hard.
1: Yeah. All right. On that out, here we go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm at peace with it. It's cool. <laughs> all right. Um, so I'm going to start uh, the podcast with our icebreaker questions, which mm-hmm. as a loyal listener, you know all about.
1: And I've noticed you don't do the same ones. So I was like trying to think, can I prepare myself for these? But although I think the breakfast one is pretty consistent.
0: Yeah. I hope you have a good answer for that.
1: I do. Well, I ate breakfast today, so I have an answer.
0: Okay. All right. So first question is, what is the last thing you watched on television?
1: Um, Well, we don't have a television. We just (gasps) stream everything on a laptop. Does that count still?
0: Yeah, I guess so.
1: Like Netflix and that kind of thing?
0: Yeah. Okay, fine.
1: Um. We are almost done with The Queen's Gambit. So we watched episode six or seven mm-hmm. last night after Lauren went to bed. Yeah. I've heard yeah, good things. Yeah, I had too. And I we were, we're perpetually in this cycle of like running out of things to watch because we fall in love with the show and then we binge watch it. It's like what we do once the kid's in bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Ted Lasso lasted us like three days. And that was like, oh, where's the next season? And all, all these new shows. So queen's gambit has been it's been really really enjoyable
0: yeah Yeah. i i refuse to watch um like netflix series or any series that is not finished because i can't handle waiting between seasons for the next season so so you don't even start a new show you don't
1: start any of the new shows
0: no i'm way behind
1: that's i mean that's a good that's a good discipline i suppose and then you really can just binge watch everything
0: yeah the only exception i made to that was the mandalorian and yeah yeah i was
1: about to call you out because i know you've been watching that yeah
0: yeah but that was okay because i don't know i i ended up just like re-watching the same episode like three times before the next week (laughs) yep yep whatever um but yeah but even that that really tested my patience like i have to be able to binge
1: i i will be honest so in in all of the like Jim reads and thinks intellectually I'm also a sucker for all things Marvel for some Mm. reason like maybe it's Ah. because if I was a 12 year old boy right now the Marvel cinematic universe would be my favorite obsession in the whole world and so part of me still really loves just those cheesy superhero things so I'm super pumped for all the Marvel series coming out in 2021 on Disney plus
0: yes yes I I actually love the Marvel stuff too yeah. Which is kind of weird for me because I was never huge into superheroes as a kid, but um, yeah,
1: me neither. Really into it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite superhero? In
1: in in super in, in Marvel or superhero in general? Oh. I think well, Todd Lang Ant-Man is the funniest. So he's perpetually my favorite to have on screen anytime. Uh-huh. But I don't know. I don't even know if there's like a favorite one of the Marvel movies I would pick. I think I just love the concept. I love mm-hmm. that they have built this um marathon of a project like yeah. they didn't just say let's make a movie they said let's make a universe filled with movies
0: yeah no i yeah. love it i love it and and i think that's what the i think that's what the star wars people are trying to do too yeah
1: yeah there's they, an obi-wan like
0: kenobi series coming out mm-hmm. oh yes uh, and an ahsoka one i think yeah i don't know but yeah i'm all about that
1: I heard someone say that Netflix should turn um, Bridgerton into a universe. Have you seen Bridgerton? No, you haven't haven't. because you don't binge watch shows. Oh, that's what we watched prior to Queen's Gambit. And we watched that in like four days and it was incredible. (laughs) Was it good? It was so good. Shonda Rhimes makes amazing things. And it was just, I never thought I'd like a period piece like that, but I loved it. So. Yeah.
0: Well, I was kind of debating whether I wanted to watch it. So now with your recommendation, I might, but I have to wait till it's done.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. (laughs) Wait a decade.
0: (laughs) Second question is um, what is the last book that you read?
1: Last book I read. um, I'm finished or currently reading.
0: Currently reading. Yeah.
1: I just started reading black futures for a book club that my wife and I are in. It is a compilation of essays and various things from, um, I'm not even far enough in to give it enough of a description. It's from Roxanne Gay's book recommendation list. She has a book recommendation list for each month. So we're just using that as what we use for our book group. Uh, But the last book I finished, finished was how to be anti-racist by Ibram X. Kendi.
0: Nice. Was it good? I haven't read it. Fantastic. Yes. I should read it. It was very good. Yeah. Okay. Then the last icebreaker question is. What what did you have for breakfast?
1: (laughs) Uh, so we, we're we kind of creatures of habit in our food life. I like to have systems and rhythms. So breakfast is either typically uh, just a kind of protein smoothie or uh, oatmeal, mm-hmm. except for the weekend. Then we do waffles on the weekend oh. because they're just the best. And then lunch is like a shake, protein shake thing. And then dinner is like a vegan, organic, great thing from a meal kit, blue carrot, blue, purple, purple carrot, purple carrot. Um, but that's that's just my entire dietary history I gave you. For breakfast today, <laughs> we had <laughs> oatmeal, which just sounds bland. No. It was fresh. It was not leftover and used from the previous day in the fridge like other podcast Huff, interviewers Huff. you've had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I've, I I used to never make the oatmeal because I always burned it, which is a sad thing to admit, but I've gotten good at it. And I've learned how to like add other stuff to make it good. Um, So we didn't have any, well, we did have some berries. So oatmeal with chia seeds and um, cinnamon and milk, obviously, almond milk because we're vegan, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then uh, peanut butter underneath it, and then sliced almonds and fresh bananas.
0: Wow. That sounds amazing. It's so good. I love oatmeal, which is amazing because I hated it when I was a kid.
1: Yes, same. I always think of it as this bland, tasteless thing that my dad ate. And I'm like, why would you want that?
0: Right. Yeah, no, I, I dig it. And I am all about dressing it up with all kinds of fun and interesting yes. things. Mm-hmm. So I'm- Basically, I, I
1: like that. to make myself a breakfast that I would be excited to eat in a restaurant. Like, yes, yeah. I want to I want to eat the things that I would pay to eat. Why not?
0: That's a good life, life decision there, Jim. What, <laughs> when did you go vegan? Uh,
1: I've been a vegetarian since 2009. Uh-huh. And then vegan, well, I'm more of veg- vegan, veganarian. It's like uh-huh. some sort of a mix because I'm in the Midwest now in Michigan, and mm-hmm. it's really hard to be like a strict vegan in the Midwest, where, right. like, they're like, "Oh, you're a vegan? Cool, but would you like cheese with that?" It's like, "No, you don't understand what this means." Right. So, in our home, maybe I'm a stay-at-home vegan is a good way to say it. Except okay, for we, d- we, frittatas are good, so eggs are hard to kind of completely yeah. get out of my life. Although we, we we're gonna try to fully get rid of eggs by the time. Lauren is you know conscious of what we're doing Uh because how do we tell him let's be kind to all the animals and eat their baby eggs what (laughs) anyway no judgment on you or anyone else who lives and eats differently but you know
0: (laughs) okay thank you (laughs) um yeah you're you're...
1: yeah we have kids board books that are about being vegan for him like one Uh that says called like uh, I am not food and it's animals talking about themselves and their families and saying, I am a person, I am not food. And it's, it's like, we're, we're those parents.
0: Okay, all right. You um, you just have a, and I think this has been true for a long
1: time, you're just a healthy person. Cause
0: you you also run, are you still running?
1: I have started running again. Uh-huh. So having a baby, it turns out, takes up a lot of time and energy. In it case, does. Uh, yeah, knew? that was a surprise to me. So I, um, I was supposed to run a marathon last summer And that was going to be my kind of like, get in the best shape possible before the baby comes. So then I'm like, you know, an actual healthy dad. And then the pandemic happened. So everything was canceled, including this marathon. So my my registrations deferred to 2021. So now I'm like, oh, shit, I got to actually be ready to run a marathon. Um, So I've started running again, which means I have to get up like at 5am to go running because Ah. that's my only real window to run before the baby's awake. And I have to not feel like a shitty husband who just literally runs away so you are so yes hardcore, i run or my I'm, I'm... friend Hardcore.
0: <laughs> i don't know how well, i don't know how you do it
1: well i get up at 5 a.m anyway to feed the cats because that's when they demand breakfast uh-huh. well they demand breakfast at 3 a.m but we try to train them to wait till 5 a.m
0: <laughs> wow okay uh so what was it like maybe i should be asking both of you but what what was it like to have a baby in the middle of a pandemic oh. i mean that's that's wow yeah pregnancy is tough anyway just you're always I mean you're fretting about everything
1: yeah well that it, it was very well we didn't know what to expect we would never done it before uh-huh. but it was never nothing that we anticipated I mean partly we we got pregnant November 2019 we were living full-time in an airstream at the time right and we were like traveling all that fun stuff and I was working remotely and we were like in Tennessee and Florida and South Carolina for doctor's appointments and traveling around, and then the pandemic happened in the spring, and we're like, um, okay, maybe the fact that we're about to have a baby and there's this pandemic impinging on every aspect of travel and life, let's not be just traveling full time. So then we went from Airstream life to find an apartment life. So there was just that transition to get used to, which is why I can be in a basement rather than in I don't know a campground right now for this conversation, but then so we moved to an apartment near my wife's like in my wife's hometown where her family is an hour and a half from my parents here in michigan uh frankenwood michigan little little christmas town if you're oh, interested it's okay. it's uh like literally it's a thing like tourists come from all over the place it's a german town it's like the number one tourist town in michigan or something i don't know really is it There's-
0: super cute is it super cute
1: it is. Uh-huh. It is. I kind of I mean it's it's the Midwest. It's a small conservative town in Michigan. So there's plenty to make me go, ugh. Right. But like it it has some perks of like there's a really great brewery, although I haven't been there in a year because of the pandemic. There's a really great wine bar, which I haven't been to because of the pandemic. <laughs> um, there's a gorgeous downtown, like so it's it's great. And being here at Christmas time is literally the best because it's full of Christmas everything. So it's it's quaint and fun and all these yeah. things. So having a baby though was then figuring everything out. How do we do this? Um, and just nothing was what we expected. Like, So we didn't have a baby shower in the traditional sense. We kind of had like, we, we made a website for the baby and they did like Facebook live videos of us opening gifts over the course of the summer, which was fun, but it yeah. was just different. Um, I couldn't go to some of the appointments because of COVID regulations. I could yeah. be there obviously during delivery. Like when she was in labor, we could only have me and our doula in the room with us like so family couldn't come visit and then I think the hardest part so going through pregnancy in the summer was one thing but then now that he's been born it's just hard because it's like we never got to have the like grandma and grandpa can just come and pick up Lauren and kiss him it's it's been some in-person visits always with masks a lot of FaceTime calls with family so I mean we try Mm to Try to moderate screen time for this newborn but he's looked at a lot of screens to have talks with you know aunts and uncles and grandma and grandpa so
0: wow yeah,
1: yeah it's that's
0: intense yeah it's intense so christmas
1: was a thing like where we opened gifts with my parents over facetime and yeah. saw my wife's parents on christmas morning when the rest of the family wasn't there because they weren't all going to wear masks and we insist on that so
0: right right wow that's fascinating. I cause I remember, wow. I remember when you guys, you know, you, you got married and then I kind of lost track of you for a little bit. And then all of a sudden you announced that you were going to leave your place of residence by an airstream and travel around the country Yep. with your lovely bride. And I was like, well, that's, An interesting life choice that's a big commitment though. I mean, that is that is a big life choice and then to have all of a sudden have this pandemic come in and be like, "Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, but no. Um, How did you how how have you sort of. I don't know. I mean, are you disappointed? Are you frustrated or are you I mean, are you rolling with it? What?
1: Yeah, no, 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 that's good. I think. I, we are definitely rolling with it. And I, we realized, so I'm a very content person. I can be content in almost any place as long as I have a good internet signal. Um, then I can make stuff and connect with people and do all the things that give me joy and fulfillment and meaning in life. And so if I can do that while I'm in, you know, Myrtle Beach, Tybee Island, Florida, wherever, State Park, wherever, that that's great. Um, but we both realized uh, that for us, full-time Airstream RV life, It felt like we were always living in the places where people are on vacation. So it was Mm -hmm. this weird like tension of like, wait a minute, I have to just sit down all day and do work right now. And you're just lounging around because you're here for a week on vacation. This is called my home. So in some ways that's awesome. But the other way is like psychologically, it felt like I never got to be on vacation then or have a break, and trips were just perpetual. So we were already kind of thinking, maybe full time isn't our go-to, or if it is, we wanted to change the pace up and everything. Um, So having to kind of have a home base and then go on part-time trips has been great. We've downsized our Airstream since all this. So we traded in our 28 foot for a 16 foot, um, which is so cute and awesome. It's literally (laughs) the smallest Airstream they make that still looks like a classic Airstream. Uh, And and we went on like five camping trips this past fall when Lauren was born. He went on his first trip as a three and a half week old. Uh, And we have like, Fifteen already booked for this summer. So for us, I think we've enjoyed shifting the way we do it um, because now we can like anticipate these trips even more. But I think if we hadn't gone to the extreme of just going all in and doing it full time, I don't know if we ever would have like dipped our toe in to get hooked. Yeah. Like now we're obsessed. We love airstreams. We know how to tow them. I've never towed anything in my life before. <laughs> now I know how to back the thing up. So. It was a good, like, you know, push yourself into the pool to see if you can swim or not moment. Yeah. And we did. And now yeah. we're like, okay, we don't want to live in the pool. We just want to live near the pool.
0: And, and in addition to doing all of that, you decided to put it all on YouTube. So you made like a reality <laughs> show out of it, which is, I mean, Jim, you are like one of my favorite people because, because I think you and I have so much in common. Like I am the same way. I'm like, let's just, anything is cool spotter for content right and yeah. and it's all part of this ongoing creative process that is your life yeah yeah
1: yeah uh yes uh free and simple on youtube by the way everyone should yes. subscribe thank we'll you very much that. yeah <laughs> <laughs> it it's that that served a couple purposes uh, i i would say distinctly three at this point uh, having a YouTube channel for our Airstream Adventures. One, it's been really fun to have kind of a shared project with Chelsea, with my mm-hmm. wife, where a lot of times content creation is what I do professionally and various hats I wear in different spaces I work. Um, and so like, I come down to the basement, in my home office, and I just make stuff or I stay up late a couple nights a week and make stuff. But it's been really fun to have like a shared thing together where we're ideating on walks or in the morning and thinking about videos or... I'll make the edit and she'll watch it and give me a few notes. And her notes are always incredible. Like they mm-hmm. actually are like, holy shit, you are good at this. And then become the best video ever. So I love having that shared experience. The second thing is I do a lot of media content creation for work. Like I get paid for it. And so I feel like I should know kind of what the hell I'm doing when people are paying me to do it. So it's nice to have a place to experiment. Totally. where It's just, Yeah. Yeah. Like I get to try, I've learned so much about YouTube because of my own YouTube channel. And then I can say to like places I work well, the best practice for this YouTube video is to optimize our SEO by doing this, 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 and this, because I've done that. So like, yeah. I kind of know what I'm talking about. And then the third thing, and maybe most important, our goal is not to become like the world's biggest YouTubers. Um, I mean, it'd be cool if I could be the Casey Neistat of airstreaming, but I don't think that's possible. Um, but really we, we we are our audience, we've decided. Like, oh. or maybe... Us in 10 years, future us is our audience. Uh, And we wanna be able to just have like this video scrapbook. So in a decade, we can look back and be like, do we remember Lauren's first camping trip? Let's sit down and watch a 20 minute video. And then it's not just like a bunch of random clips but it's actually a well-crafted experience that we get to have in the future. And then if others wanna come along and enjoy it, even better.
0: I hear that all the time from people who are actually really successful on any platform, and that is that they make the content for themselves, partially because you can never tell what. I mean, you have a general idea who your audience is or what's marketable, but you don't know what what's going to run away, right? Yeah. And so, if you're not in love with what you're doing, you're not going to be able to sustain it, and you're not going to bring the you know the energy to it and the enthusiasm. Yeah. To it. It's going to be flat.
1: And we're not just trying to make the next viral video. I mean, we we're smart. We do some titles that are maybe clickbaity like five things we hate love and hate about our airstream or something oh what right. do they hate about it but i mean we're not trying to be mr beast and do these sensational videos yeah which are awesome and he's fantastic like his first kind of breakout video was him this was like years ago looking into his camera on his computer and he counted from one to a hundred thousand like in one sitting that, <laughs> that was his first video that kind of peaked for him and it's this thing of like he does things that Everyone thinks, oh, that'd be fun to do someday when you're a kid. Can you count to 100,000? I dare you to. No one ever does it. And he did it. I don't, I respect that. That's awesome. It's obviously working for him. He gets, you know, millions of views and does amazing work with his, all the, all the things he does from it, but we're not trying to just do sensational viral YouTube stuff. We're trying to just, I don't know, be authentic and make stuff that's fun and have, and capture the memories really. It's It's a scrapbook.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And it's, it's fun to watch. It's clear that you guys are, it's clear that you like each other. It's clear that you're having fun. It's clear that you're excited about what you're doing. And it's also clear that you really like making the content. It's not just like, uh, you know, I'm doing this because it's my job. It, you, you are yeah. having fun with it.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's talk about your job. Um, are you still full-time employed?
1: By yes, the church. at Riverside. Yeah. Yes, the the Riverside Church. I am the digital minister at the Riverside Church,
0: what a which job. is a
1: title I made up because <laughs> before awesome. the pandemic, before the pandemic, <laughs> by the way, this was like when we left New York. I, I made the pitch to my employer and I gave them two pieces of paper. I said, this is a proposal for how my job could be done remote. This is my resignation. Please take the first one and shred the second one. Thank you. Um, and then that led to conversations about my role And it ultimately kind of evolved to a new role, which is digital minister. So I create online content and help cultivate online community for the Riverside's work of love and justice in the world. Wow. Yeah.
0: Okay. One, everybody should be doing that. And two, are you, I mean, what's, tell me what's different about what you're doing than what, everyone else is doing, which is basically uh, services on Zoom.
1: Yeah, well, the first thing is, we started doing this in the summer of 2019. So before, Mm -hmm. you know, COVID-19 was even a phrase that anyone knew of, popularly at least. Um, So, I mean, and there was initially for the first, I don't know, six months, I'd have other colleagues, a whole lot of congregants who would be like, what's a digital minister? And now, you know, nine months after the pandemic, Oh thank god we have a digital minister. Right. So it's so I mean now I'm doing stuff that is more Man you got in you on the in ground play- floor my friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um now it does involve a lot of just production of weekly services so, you know some of it's pre-recorded some of it's a hybrid of live streamed and pre-recorded content zoom things I'm, a lot of you know IT hat how to do this on zoom yeah. you know I'm currently working on some best practices for creating content, create, hosting a Zoom meeting that can become good YouTube content because it's really easy to post a Zoom meeting that becomes really bad YouTube content. So there's a lot of that. Uh, I, I kind of bring an, an expertise around kind of digital spaces for the specificity of a church like Riverside and how we're doing things. Yeah. But I mean, I, I try to actually make stuff. So like, I make a podcast every Advent and every Lent, and then in between here, so Christmas time, Easter time, like a daily devotional podcast. And then I do weekly video Bible study, sermon prep things. That's why it says Tohuva vaBohu behind me. Oh, this is a podcast; they can't see that. Um, <laughs> I can post. So I time. make stuff, and then I try to I try to bring people together. You know, make the the the, the shared experiences we have as meaningful as possible. Like my my theory is that um, the online content is the finger pointing at the moon it's important. It needs to be clear and give a good direction, but it doesn't exist for itself. It exists to do something. I like to think of it as like, it's a campfire. Like if you just saw a circle of chairs sitting in a field, you'd probably think that's kind of creepy. Mm -hmm. But if you saw a campfire and then some people sitting around it, you'd go, Ooh, I want to go over there. So I try to create content or curate things that can be those digital campfires so that people can have space to connect and gather. And the content is just an excuse to start a conversation or have a connection, but really it's the conversation in the community that is the purpose of it all.
0: Absolutely. You know that you are speaking my language because I feel like we have for way too long um, put the focus on the content and the technology and yeah. and thinking about the, hum- the human part of it has been and continues to be shockingly uh you know just an afterthought and to me that's what i mean i think that's why it's such an incredible that's why i love working with faith leaders um Mm. and doing the digital you know stuff that i do because because those are people who are trained really to be focused on the humanity yeah right yeah yeah okay so talk to me about um what what's next because we and i know we don't nobody knows what the hell is next (laughs) like we are waiting i guess i feel like we're all just like sitting at home waiting to be unleashed on the world because we've been cooped up for a long time yeah um but ideally once you're free right to roam about i know you've got you said you had plans for travel like to go camp in your airstream, but what else do you want to do out in the world, and how are you gonna, how are you gonna bring that online?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. Um, well, I always have more ideas than I know what to do with, mm-hmm. and there's it's very common for me to, you know, Chelsea's my wife's a good sounding board. I'm like, ooh, I have this idea. What do you think? And she's like, you're already overworked with everything you're doing. Oh, okay, okay. So there's always things spinning in the back burner. Um, <clears throat> I haven't really experimented on TikTok. I'm not quite as hip with the kids like you are, but oh, I think uh, I wish I had time to play more. I have a concept, I have an account, but I haven't quite played, played pulled it off yet. Um, I think, so I think for me personally, I'm interested in uh, seeing how life with a kid impacts how I create things online mm-hmm. and just how I capture things. So I'm, I'm like super pumped to make stuff for and with Lauren and to think like there's a whole world of people to engage with for making kind of family-based or kid-based content. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for that. Like at one point i started, like I pretended I had like a puppet show. We live in Frankenmuth, so I was like, this is Frank, this is Mooth. And they were gonna be like these <laughs> crazy liberal leftist socialists in a conservative Lutheran town was my <laughs> irony. Um, so I don't know. I think it'll probably be something kid related just cause that's my life now. Um, like I told Chelsea, when i look i was like what if what if someday when lauren is in school he every day he comes home from school and the first thing he does is he goes to dad's office and me and lauren sit down and he puts on the headphones and we get in front of the microphones and we just record a conversation about what he did that day at school and chelsea goes why i go i don't know it would just be fun to have that conversation every day and record it and maybe it's a thing i don't know so so that's kind of where my mind's at is like how will the digital Things I like to do, kind of intermix with having a, this this new project called a human kid.
0: Yeah, yeah, I. And so, when will he
1: object to say, "Dad"? Exactly.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> what I was gonna say. Uh, speaking of TikTok, my kids are furious that I'm on TikTok. They think it's the worst, <laughs> and I actually use it. I don't have a concept at this point. I, I use it just to experiment and to try things, and also because, you know, I have spent so much time doing copywriting and text that I'm so uncomfortable in front of a camera Mm. and so like that's one thing I love about you is you just seem so natural on Mm. camera I don't understand did you have training for this or is it clerical training that made you? (laughs) Uh,
1: I think it's called being the baby child. I have two older sisters who are five years and nine years older, so I think Uh that just perpetually makes me think that the world is going to look at me if I talk, because as the youngest child, you assume your family is, right, or you vie for that attention. I do remember when I was in, oh, it must have been, my sister was, uh, it was like fifth grade, I think, Uh Uh, fifth or sixth grade. I went to this like small Lutheran school in the town, um, and my dad was a Lutheran pastor. So that was our whole Kool Aid. And then we, there was a, an assembly at the high school. So all the, the public schools, the Lutheran school, we were all coming together and for all the elementary schools. And somehow um, my school got there early. So we're, it's in the gymnasium or whatever. And so we're there like an hour early or something crazy. And the, the person hosting this assembly, I don't know what it was even. He was like, Hey, does anyone want to come up here and talk into the microphone? And I'm like, absolutely. So I'm in the high school, my sister's high school where she is a 10th grader and I'm like a fifth grader and I get the microphone. And so I'm like, just start telling stories. And then uh, I hear that I've heard this from my sister, Bethany's point of view, where she was having lunch in the cafeteria and some of her friends race in and say, Bethany, your brother Jimmy is in the is in the gymnasium. He has a microphone and he's talking about you right now. And it's like they race in oh, and like I know. But so that happened. And then the thing I most distinctly remember is um, we were also somehow the last school to leave. It's like our bus came late. So we're sitting there waiting to leave. And the people who led the assembly, they're like leaving ahead of us. And the guy who asked people to come up and talk to the microphone, he's like, hey, you're the kid who was telling stories you're really good at that. You had, you seemed, I don't I don't know what he said, but somehow he like called me out and said, you're good at yeah. talking in a microphone in front of people. And ever since then, I'm like, oh, I could do that. That's fun. So I think, so I, I like that story because I think it definitely helped propel me to where I am today and what I do, but it's also the sense of like, how can you see someone's future in their present yeah. and how can you help cultivate that and pull that into their forefront?
0: Yeah. So interesting. And I I think there's an important differentiation to make because I do think that there is a, I think there's a lot of people that maybe most of us are using these new media platforms to just sort of mirror our egos. Right. Hmm. And there's a difference between, you know, putting you know liking yourself you know doing selfies and stuff like that and actually using media as a tool to accomplish things and doing it in a way that's engaging and I mean maybe you do have a bit of an ego but most (laughs) of what you put out there isn't like look at me look at me I'm Jim it's dude I got this story to tell you check it out right and then it's so engaging
1: That's the hope, <clears throat> you know, there is, there is, you know, a bit of white male privilege and embedded in everything I do. So I have to check myself yeah. as much as I can with that yeah. reality, but yes,
0: <laughs> good for you. Yeah. Use it, it, it's use just it for
1: good. Yeah. With great power. Right. You know, yeah. that's, that's, that's all Marvel back to that again. Um, but yeah, it's just fun experimenting. I think, cause I was in seminary when I started learning kind of internet stuff, So in seminary, they made me learn Greek and Hebrew because Mm. apparently pastors, Christian pastors should know that. Cool. That's great. Teaching me some dead language. I was like, well, I'm going to teach myself HTML and CSS because those seem like I thought more useful languages for the future of the church. So I've just always had this itch to try things. And the Internet has been this fun sandbox where I can just like make something out of almost nothing, it seems. I don't have to like learn how to use a circle saw or whatever kind of stuff it is. I can't fix a car. I've learned a little bit since living in the Airstream, but the internet's just been a place where I can try stuff and it can just disappear and that's okay, or it can become something. And then the connections you can make are what blows me away. like It's not just let me make something because I, Jim, want to make it. It's let me create a space where i can connect with other people who i can make stuff with and that collaborative aspect is i think what's the most mind-blowing thing and i've just never wanted to stop tinkering in those spaces
0: yeah i i feel really similarly and and the other thing that that really resonates with me about who you are as a person is this this ability to just try things and not be afraid of failure. Like, mm. yeah, it might not work. It might not work out. It might, it might be terrible. It might fall flat, but it doesn't dim your enthusiasm and you just keep trying. <laughs> and I its yeah, love it.
1: It's very hard to dim my enthusiasm. Uh, <laughs> if you know the Enneagram, I think I'm the epitome of a seven. Uh-huh. Peter Pan is my patron saint. I say I'm, <laughs> I'm pathologically optimistic. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It comes through. It comes through. I love it. Okay. So what's going to happen? Like, What's your prediction for when we get to run free?
1: Oh, well, I can probably speak most authoritatively about that from kind of the Christian church perspective, at least. Okay. Um, And my my fear, and, and this probably would translate into other industries, but I don't really have a, I just have opinions there. Yeah. I have opinions everywhere. Uh, but uh, my fear is that people will see this, what's now been the past nine months, what's probably going to be another at least six more months as just like, okay, that's behind us. Let's go back to normal. Let's go yeah. back to the way things used to be. Um, we, the internet was just a Band-Aid. And like, I don't want it to be a technical fix. I want it to be an adaptive change. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I, I'm hopeful that it will be. I think enough people are for the first time realizing that this online thing that we've all been forced into because we can't safely gather in physical spaces has been very meaningful and real. It was literally 10 years ago I looked it up and found the slides I made for some conference I spoke at where I have a slide that says the phrase virtual isn't the opposite of real. It's the opposite of physical. They're wow. both real. Yep. And the past year now, people have been like, whoa, that's so true, because we're all experiencing it. We're realizing that these Zoom calls, there's, yes, yeah, Zoom fatigue is real, but so was in-person meeting fatigue. Let's not just deny that fatigue didn't happen, right. but these Zoom capacities, they're allowing for real connections. And in some places in the church world, I've noticed, people are saying, I feel more connected to other people from my congregation than I ever have before, because they couldn't always gather in person because they live too far away or whatever, things didn't allow them to leave their house easily or frequently. Right. And now they can be on a prayer meeting every day at 8am, whether you live in Pennsylvania or New York or wherever. So I, I, I think those things are making enough of a dent to be like, let's, let's rethink the thing with this, not just as like a fun little bonus feature, but as like internet stuff, online, digital connection, might need to actually be the core of this, which, I mean, many of us have known for a long time, Mm -hmm. the internet's not just a fad, but I think the the church, at least, is a very slow-moving iceberg to make any redirection to, uh, and and this might be the thing that causes a shift in the trajectory, I hope.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I agree, and not to mention that, you know, the whole concept of faith community is this, uh, this being inclusive, like bringing yeah. people in who, who need community, and so many folks who, like you said, either you know d- you know geographic distance, um, y- young parents or mothers who can't always get out, or uh, yeah. people who are are ill or who have disabilities, people with you know, you know social challenges, all are able to connect, and that's incredible. I mean, that's a gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that it's really important for us to continue to explore ways to convene people online. I'm exactly where you are in that I hope we don't lose that momentum yeah. in building out those spaces because I think it's essential. And we have a lot more work to do.
1: Yes. And I'm, I'm grateful for the ways that I've seen faith communities really be adaptive and yeah. recognize this can actually impact the way we think about gathering in community. I mean, I think education system is one where they were thrown into the same deep end at a different scale you know, yeah. with kids and all these things. And I've seen some stories of them doing really well and adapting to really good learning techniques, but it, it sadly seems like the school system is just waiting for it to be safe to go back to normal right. because they've built a really good machine that works in person. They have. So I, I hope we all learn how to be more adaptive and intentional in these online spaces. I hope we don't just revert back to what it used to be. Yeah, yeah. Not I that don't it was always believe all it needs all
0: bad, to but, be an yeah. either or situation. Yes, I think we yes, need that's, both. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, I've never said we should become robots. No, no, no. We just need to admit that we're already cyborgs. We have this, <laughs> this symbiotic relationship with technology. Let's just live into what we've already been.
0: I'm there. I'm with you. <laughs> okay. Let me ask you uh, just a, a little bit of, of a serious kind of question. So you know that I put a lot of thought and energy into kind of bringing people together to have meaningful conversations across differences. I really believe that differences are natural and normal and important, and we're not going to get away from them. And not every, like, we're not born with the ability to have those kinds of conversations. So we need facilitation and we need spaces to do that. And we also need shared, shared languages and shared goals and and things that we can actually get on the same page about. But it seems to me like we are just getting further and further away from. Mm that um and and i'm saying this in the context of not trying to um like i i don't i don't i'm not trying to get people together who literally don't believe in the rights of the others right like i'm i don't want to bring homophobes and the GLBTQ community together. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to do is bring people together who are more in the middle, but who are really being fed these separate Mm. ideological um, messages that keep them from having these shared goals. And again, I don't think we all need to be on the same page. I actually think that's the opposite of pluralism and democracy. Yep. But what we need is a framework to do it. And that framework, either it doesn't exist or it's actively being dismantled. And mm-hmm. so I'd love to hear from you as somebody who is a thoughtful person, somebody who works building faith communities, uh, what do you think we need to do to make it possible for our society to function in a healthy way? Because I, I do think we're not, I, I think we're on a very dangerous path right now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> Here, solve this world crisis.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where, where is she going with this? Oh, is this like, she's now gonna talk about some new project she's doing to help accomplish this. And like, ooh, yeah. And oh, she's it's, like, it's do, your think, job. <laughs> do you think that's cool? Yes, yes, Q, I think that's cool. I thought like, oh no. <laughs> Um, so I, I definitely resonate with that for a lot of reasons. Uh, when it comes, the communities I'm a part of tend to veer towards the left in the, yeah. the faith community world. I mean, I've just placed myself in, in spaces that are are definitely much more liberal since I moved to New York. But I mean, prior to that, I was at a church here in Michigan and it was like, Betsy DeVos was the elder chair at the church I worked at. Let me put wow. it that way. What? That that's yeah. I I've I have served Betsy DeVos communion before, and wow. her me. So that's she probably doesn't remember me. I was like the the youth pastor at the church at the times, so, but um, and that was a place where there were probably like me and two other people who voted for Barack Obama back in 2008, at least that I know of on staff. So it was a very it was a progressive ish church, progressive evangelical kind of a thing. Uh-huh. Um. So, I've been in environments like that. I mean, I went to an undergrad, Christian undergrad, where like literally every dorm window had a Bush, George Bush sign on it, you know, to vote for him for president back in, what was that, 2004, I guess. Um, <laughs> and now I'm in these liberal faith communities, but like my family is still very conservative. My wife's family is very conservative. Yeah. Um, my, my wife's stepdad is like hardcore libertarian like Anne Rand is their patron saint. And and the irony is they wear like Black Lives Matter shirts and they will go to protests, but then they vote for Trump and Joe Jorgensen, the libertarian candidate. So it's this like, how, what is going on? yeah, my, my parents and I have like had this, well, my mom and I have had this great bond the past four years over our distaste of Donald Trump, which uh-huh. has been this like, whoa, we have never had so much in common before, because like, religiously, we're on different ways of seeing faith and things, but like, politically, we're like, so I, th- I think, though, in the midst of all these communities, I've been a part of how to, how to fix this problem. Um, I think the thing we need more of is empathy, Just in general, true spaces to try to hear what the other person is saying rather than just say what I think needs to be said. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's and and maybe intentionally engaging in conversations with the priority being hearing the other person rather than changing their mind. Which again sounds trite and is common, but that's what I've really noticed when I'm talking with family, my in-laws. Like, yeah, I disagree with nine tenths of what you just said, but am I really going to just change your entire mind and life in one sentence? No. So I think it's, it's, I need empathy and I need to run the marathon. I need to not just do this for the sprint. I have to be present for the long relationship. So I keep showing up. And my hope is that they just, there's space for mutual transformation. Um, I hope I'm transformed in the process. I hope I continue to become more liberal and open and all the things, but I hope that it also creates space for them as well. So yeah, empathy and endurance might be the two things we need.
0: I, I like, I like that answer. And I think that you're right. I think that you're right. And I also didn't realize until I asked that and you responded that that was your background. I guess I just assumed that you came from, you know, happy little land. Wow. Not at all.
1: (laughs) Not at all. Far from it. I have, I've migrated into all these spaces
0: huh okay so then let me ask you as a as a white male with the you know pinnacle of privilege and being in a position of authority right yeah. religious authority how do you use that how how do you think you can best use that to help people or to move the conversation forward on um, on issues where we know that there's injustice and we you know, you and I know that there's injustice and we know that these are things that need to be addressed. Um, and, and to do that, I mean, I guess the I guess the question is, I, I think that there are multiple ways to address problems, but I think that when you have a certain kind of privilege or a certain amount of privilege, you are able to do things that other people can't.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, this is an area that I'm perpetually growing in as I'm aware of it, uh-huh. but I think I try to be very intentional and aware of when should I be passing the mic and when should I be talking into the mic, yeah. both literally and metaphorically speaking, um, specifically thinking within the you know left-leaning communities I'm a part of, they don't need to hear just another white straight guy talking. So how can I be intentional about curating other voices that have been speaking for far too long, but just have gone unheard way too often? But then at times there's the, uh, the the chance to actually address and connect with other people in positions of power. And in the Christian church world, those tend to be white straight cisgender men. Mm-hmm. And a, a white straight cis guy, sadly is going to listen to me before he listens to like a black transgender woman. Okay. So. My, I see my role as really speaking to other people with my same reflection and mm-hmm. identity, so I can help them hopefully tune their ears differently to hear these other voices that have been speaking all along. Yeah, that's that's how I try to at least recognize the differentiation between it. And so for me, being in West Michigan, or I mean East Michigan, being in Michigan again has been a good place for that because I'm no I, I'm not in New York City liberal haven. Suddenly, I'm actually surrounded by a lot of white straight conservatives and I know their language. I know that mentality. I know what, th- I, I can have empathy for them because I was them. Uh, so I, I think I have a, I have a unique calling to, to that particular breed of humanity.
0: I think that's so interesting and I think that you're right. And I, I wonder if a lot of the angst that we're experiencing online is that we, you know, I, I think we underestimate and this might actually fold in nicely with your Airstream adventures. I think we, we underestimate how, or I think we overestimate the, the homogeneity of our country. Right? Yes. I think we are actually an incredibly diverse and pluralistic society. And I think that even today in our modern world, geographically, there are huge, huge cultural differences. And to, you know, when you throw everybody from across, even just in America online, right, in one space, you start to see conflicts. And a lot of those conflicts may not even be ideological or or about our shared goals. They might just be cultural norms that are clashing with other cultural norms.
1: Yeah. You know and if I mean? you never leave your cultural boundaries, you don't realize there's another world out there that, exists from its own biased point of view.
0: Right. Right. I had a, um, I I talked with a young lady who on on my other podcast, she's a Christian evangelical. She, you know, went to Liberty University. She uh, is still conservative, but she finds herself in a position where she's, she's doing the same kind of work where she's talking to her own, her own tribe. Right. Um, And that was kind of the the thing that she said is that she has to change drastically change the way she talks, even just her vocabulary and her language, when she's trying to convey something to somebody in her hometown versus when she's in D.C. or New York.
1: Yeah, and that that at times is the hardest thing to realize. Like when I'm around, when I'm in a liberal bubble, I can just go like, ugh, capitalism, right? <laughs> but if i'm talking to my in-laws and i go uh capitalism they go what do you mean capitalism is the savior of humanity it's the reason we're all surviving it's the greatest thing in the world it's always existed what do you mean capitalism is an invention and a construct it's always been around obviously and it's like ah i gotta go read some books and learn how to have a conversation about this yeah so that's where it challenges me yeah and it, it's you know you have to shift your language and re- be aware of how to effectively communicate and intentionally listen. Yeah. But yeah, the, the environments are all different. I found that in the Airstream life campgrounds. I mean, we really? meet so many different people. Oh yeah. Well, typically RV life veers conservative for the most part. Huh. Um, we saw a lot folks. of, you know, yeah. a lot of older folks, a lot of, and a lot of conservative. There was, there was, a whole lot of, you know, Donald Trump flags we would see at campgrounds, people hanging outside the things. And I I was always like, should we get a Black Lives Matter flag to hang in front of ours? And Chelsea was like, no, they will come and attack us if we do that. I'm like, oh, but I, so I didn't want to just, you know, I didn't want to just showcase values, you know, but I actually wanted to embody them. So it's it's having intentional conversations, getting to know people from a community that is centered around something that isn't religion. Mm -hmm. It isn't politics, which I find fascinating because especially in the Airstream niche of RVing, like it's its its own kind of cult. And I've had other <laughs> pastor friends who are Airstreamers and they say the Airstream community is, is the best community I've been a part of. Church, really? it's okay. Airstream community, they've got your back. They're there for you. They will help you whenever you need it. They'll answer a question. You can call them up. And it's true we've experienced that and it's centered around our obsession over this thing and then from that other kinds of conversations about life and religion and philosophy and politics might make their way in but we don't start with the divisive thing we start with the unifying thing that we love and then we can kind of rub shoulders from there that is absolutely right yeah
0: yeah Yeah. i think we need more of that yeah no i agree in fact i um I went to a Facebook communities summit where, you know, Facebook is on this tangent now about building out their communities features, uh, because I think they understand, at some level now how important it is for, um, for people to be able to connect as opposed to just broadcasting views. And so, uh, one of the things that they said on their, uh, in that summit, uh, is, you know, through their research is that the most, the healthiest communities are the ones where People come together around some arbitrary thing, like hmm. you know, Shih Tzus or something. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> and like, you build this relationship, and because of that, you're you're willing to give people the benefit of the doubt, so that when somebody says something that's potentially divisive, it doesn't immediately go to a flame war. Suddenly, then people are like, yep. "Well, I've known Joe for you know, I've known Joan for fi- Joe for five years, and we've had lots of conversations. We swap pictures, you know." Surely he can't mean it that way, and then they'll open the door for for yeah. more explanation. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, th- I think we need more of that. We need to see people's humanity uh-huh. rather than just think of them as subhuman because they don't think the way I do.
0: Yeah, agreed. agreed.
1: <laughs> Which Maybe is easy we're... to say to someone who I agree with on, on a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> we are
0: we are not ideally modeling what needs to happen here. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. Is there anything that you would like to share with the world uh, or all six of my listeners? <laughs> we there are more than on?
1: six. Uh, <laughs> well, I just I just need to publicly, in some public forum, say that um, you have in forever changed my life if for no other reason that you pointed me towards Torchy's Tacos back when oh. I was in austin texas and i still dream and scheme of re- returning to austin we had we had schemed an airstream trip to austin then the pandemic happened oh. um just to have torchy's tacos because they are way too good so
0: torchy's tacos should totally sponsor my podcast do you know how many people i have actually introduced to torchy's tacos
1: i would imagine a lot i mean i there was a day when I think I ate torchi's tacos for breakfast, lunch, and dinner when I was in Boston, <laughs> and I did not regret it at all.
0: Excellent, excellent. All right, well, um, I'm happy to <laughs> spread the word, the good news of <laughs> torchi's tacos to anyone and everyone. Uh, did do you know do you know Ra- Rabia Chaudhry? do you know I don't Rabia? Think so. Okay, she. No, a- yes,
1: I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know her on Twitter. Uh,
0: yeah. Okay. So she she actually came here for South by I think one year or something, and I took her to torchi's. I actually filmed her trying their queso the first time and oh. she just loved it. So she actually bought like a quart of it to take home to, you know, DC or Maryland. And um, the TSA stole it from her.
1: Oh, they just wanted it. That was That's just a selfish I th- move. I no,
0: know. I no, know. <laughs> bastards. So uh, <laughs> I feel a little guilty for that. And I keep trying to figure out how to get her, I think, yeah. dry ice. Should I dry ice? That should
1: work. Yeah, you should do that
0: okay all right okay jim uh let's please come and visit us in austin
1: yes once once we get you know this plague behind us and the world is some semblance of safe again yes
0: Yes. we're on our way okay Good. with the baby he might be Yay! like two by
1: then i don't know but yeah
0: <laughs> whoa <laughs> do you know something do you want to break some news on this podcast
1: no, he, I said he might be two. Not we might have two. Oh, oh well, oh. we might we might have two by then too. We're we're we're, we're exploring a second kid in the future, but not oh. not anytime soon. No, okay. no, no. I mean, right. not, yeah. Let me clarify. He might be two years old by then, and maybe there'll be a second <laughs> well. kid. You never know.
0: <laughs> okay. Whoa, cliffhanger! Um, <laughs> all right, I will talk to you again soon, and uh, please come back
1: anytime. Okay, anytime. Thank you. And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves.